This is Red Sox Review, and it starts right now. Here's your host, Cooper Boardman, on WEEI. All right, let's get it going. Red Sox Review. Sox win. Walk-off single Ryan Fitzgerald over the Rays in Fort Myers as we welcome you to it. Excited for it. Next couple of hours up with you until 6 p.m. The Sox uh, with the what the, the first actual real win of spring training. I guess when, when you beat Northeastern on, on Friday, that doesn't fully count. Yesterday, the tie heard round the world. And then, of course, the, the wind here today and uh, some smiles everywhere that you look. As uh, Again, we get it going. 617-779-7937. You know the number, the text line, 37937. As uh, they start to work their way in, we'll get to some calls. We'll get to some text as well. Uh, as we go along, we'll have Brad Foe, uh right around 4.30 as well. as He, he checks in from Arizona, including a couple conversations with Xander Bogarts. Very interested to hear uh, what, con- what all of that consisted of. But uh, I'm going to start today with what transpired over the last 24 hours and what the conversation has been around baseball in the last 24 hours because the Red Sox have been the conversation and not uh, for their roster or for anything that they've done on the field, but quite literally because of how the game ended yesterday and the pitch clock and all of that. And, um, you know, you look at what people have been talking about, and there was a a tweet and it was on the television broadcast. Uh, Will and Joe mentioned it as well on the air today that Ryan Fitzgerald put out earlier today now uh, just for my background so you know I've been in Worcester the last few years with the Worcester Red Sox working there and so I know Ryan super well been with him over the last few years wonderful story but just as one more aside before we get to what he said Ryan's story is amazing he was uh, in independent baseball in 2017 changed his swing became a great player got signed by the Red Sox a signing bonus of one total dollar as he's talked about, and over the last few years has, has worked his way up to AAA. So the point is, is this is a guy who has done everything to get to where he is, now in AAA and now on the cusp perhaps of the big league roster. He had the walk-off single today to beat the Rays in spring training. And this is not only somebody who has had a great career, this is somebody who understands the pitch clock. He's been at every single minor league level. And remember, over the last few years, they've been testing this in the minor leagues. It got to AAA for the first time last year. I spent every single day looking at the pitch clock, enjoying the pitch clock. And I'll sit here right now and tell you that I am a gigantic, uh, gargantuan proponent of the pitch clock. It is wonderful. It will take 30 minutes, uh, give you 30 more minutes back in your day. And you can sit and enjoy the baseball game and not wonder, you know, if if they're going to spit out their sunflower seeds in between pitches or whatever it might be. Anyway, Fitzy goes on, and on Twitter, he puts this tweet out. And again, it was on the first inning of the broadcast today. He said, we played with pitch clock in AAA for the 2022 season. He said, I never felt rushed, and I saw fewer than 10 violations over 150 games. This is about yesterday. After playing in today's game that ended in a tie, he said he'd never felt more rushed to get in the box. The clock is not the same as last year. Again, that tweet from Red Sox minor leaguer Ryan Fitzgerald, who has lived this over the last few years and particularly particularly in AAA a year ago. My impressions are this, and again, I watch the pitch clock unfold and exist 
every single day at AAA last year and will continue to do so, uh, goodness willing, in, in 2023. The enforcement yesterday versus the enforcement today was different. Right now, we're in spring training. Major League Baseball is trying to get all of this underway. And it is really, yesterday, was really being enforced by the letter of the law. Meaning, the batter gets in, you get to the eight-second mark, and if the batter's not ready, they're going to call a strike. And that's why the game ended the way it did yesterday, because of the rigid enforcement of what is in the rule. It's February 26th. Yesterday was February 25th. This is not what it's going to look like in Major League Baseball. And I know this because this is not what it looked like in AAA baseball a year ago. Not at all. By June, July, August, yes, it was a guideline. Yes, it had to be enforced. But it was not. It hits eight seconds and immediately we're going to you know, call the strike, or if it was the pitcher violation, call the ball. It was take the extra half beat, use common sense, and again, allow it to unfold. And so that tweet that everybody has been talking about from the guy that happened to walk it off today for the Red Sox from Ryan Fitzgerald speaks to that, in that this experience that we're having right now with the pitch clock, while it is much different than obviously the majority of this country and baseball fans have experienced over the last few years. It's not what this is going to be this year. I think that's a blessing. Somebody texted, uh, any chance yesterday was scripted by MLB to emphasize the new rules. I don't think it was scripted by MLB to emphasize the new rules or anything like that. But I do think what we saw yesterday to close that game was not the worst thing in the world for baseball. And that's not, I think, a popular thing to say. I think if you go on Twitter, everybody just wants to be angry, mashing their keyboards. I get it. It's not what we're used to. It's not regular. But this is the time of year, and there is a reason why we're doing this in spring training, because we need to see what this is going to look like. We need players to figure it out. And this is the time of year to do that. Better it happen in a 6-6 game on a Saturday afternoon on February 25th than happen in June, July, and August. And again, a AAA last year that did not happen in June, July, and August. And so, uh, again, we will see how it all unfolds. It's going to be very interesting over the next few weeks. But the frustration with what happened yesterday should not cloud your judgment of what this pitch clock does for the game. And I'm not saying anything that you don't already know that it's going to cut down times of the games. It's going to, I wasn't around for the seventies and eighties, but I've heard they were a great time in baseball. And I think it's going to look like that. And again, it looked that way at AAA last year where you could just sit back. You could watch a game. It's still the sport that you sit back and, and you get to talk during it, and you get to look back over and say, oh, they scored a run. Or you can sit there and be locked in on every single pitch, and it doesn't matter. And that's what's beautiful about this sport. It's what's beautiful about baseball. It's what's beautiful about Fenway Park. That's all still going to be there. It's just going to be a little bit shorter. You're going to be a little bit less cold for 30 minutes if you're sitting there in April. It's going to 
be a little bit uh, easier for the kids to watch the whole game. And that, I, I'm sorry, is just not a bad thing. And so we are uh, excited to, again, see what all of this is going to look like here in 2023. But again, the way it has looked like over the last 40 hours, I don't think is, is indicative of, of what you're going to see. Again, Red Sox review. We're here. Cooper Boardman with you. Joe Braverman inside the glass. The call number 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. A Sunday evening that uh, we're just going to sit back, enjoy. We got uh, so much to get to. Again, my background in Worcester, I want to talk to you about the prospects. I want to talk to you about the guys that we're really getting to enjoy uh, over the next few weeks that are going to get their opportunities, especially with the World Baseball Classic coming up, what those guys look like. I think we learned a lot today with the guys that we saw go on the mound and have the success that they did, the lineup from an offensive perspective. I think we've learned some things about what this team can be offensively and and will continue to be both in spring training and obviously once the games get going for real. This is the time of year where we learn. And that's why this pitch clock conversation is so interesting because we are learning on the fly about what this is going to be like. Yesterday, 19 games over the first couple of days, 34 total violations. They popped that up on the on the Nesson broadcast, so just under two violations per game. My own experience, first few weeks of last year were, were ugly. I mean, people were mad. Players were mad. Veterans were mad about what the pitch clock was doing, that it was going to ruin the game, that it was going to ruin everybody's enjoyment of the game, that pitchers weren't going to be able to deliver their pitches, that batters weren't going to be ready in time, that it would decide games. It's never happened to a regular season game. It just hasn't. And it's not going to happen uh, this time around. I I, I don't think. It just, there's been too much. There's a reason why this was tested in the minor leagues. There's a reason why we went through this the way we did. And it was to plan for exactly what happened yesterday, which was obviously not ideal for all scenarios, but it happened on February 25th. And on March 30th, when we open this sport up, everybody is going to know. And I, I go to, to something that Justin Turner said, and they had him on, on the television broadcast, just talking about you know, what what this time of year is like. And obviously, uh, Justin Turner has been through a bunch of major league seasons. He's been through a bunch of spring trainings. And he talked about something, and he said it not even in the context of the pitch clock, that this is the time of the year where you figure out your quote-unquote game clock. You figure out what it's like to get your legs under you, what it takes to be ready when the pitch is delivered. What like Those 10, 15 seconds where you're eating your popcorn or eating your hot dog and the guy out there in the field has figured out you know, where he needs to be mentally or where he's going to go with the ball and all of that. Well, the other part of this too is as you establish your game clock for the year, and that's what we're doing here in spring training, the game clock is just going to be the pitch clock. And so for fielders, for batters, for pitchers, for all of them, this is about figuring out what this is going to look like. But it's, a, a, again, a wonderful thing for the sport, for these games to be faster. It is more enjoyable for every single person uh, involved in the end. And uh, whether you're, if you're opposed to it, 
Just listen. I will hold your hand through it. We will get through it together. It's going to be okay. The sport is going to exist. The sport is going to be better because of it. And um, again, this is uh, something that is brand new for all of us. So give it some time and we'll figure it on out. Okay. Now that we've got that business sorted out, we can talk a little bit more about the actual baseball of this whole thing. We will get to that as we roll along. Joe Braverman has what's trending. We're back in a moment on Red Sox Review. One, two. Swing a line drive in the left center field. The base hit. This could win it. Runner hits third. Scott coming home. Here comes the throw. It's far too late. And the Red Sox walk it off. They win it 7-6. to six. Ryan Fitzgerald laying an opposite field hit into left center field, scoring Steven Scott from second base, and Red Sox prevail 7-6. They are 1-0 with a tie here in spring training. The Rays drop to 0-2. A little bit of dirty water cranking in the background. Sox win. Ryan Fitzgerald walks it off. Everyone was so mad yesterday after the game. Everybody was it just felt a little negative after that game. You know, the way it ended with the pitch clock and all that. This is a game that afterwards we get to smile. We get to feel good. We get to enjoy the fact that baseball as we know it and love it is back. And we get uh, something to cheer about as well as, again, Ryan Fitzgerald, AAA legend over the last couple of years, comes through. As the Sox win uh, over the Rays, the result doesn't matter, but the feelings certainly do as we uh, continue along. Red Sox review. Cooper Boardman with you. Producer Joe Braverman. The call number not, 617-779-7937. Try that again. 617-779-7937. Text us 37937. Got into a couple of uh, the text conversations so far. And again, uh, as we walked in talking about right off the top, what the pitch clock looked like between day one and day two, at least in Red Sox land, this is technically day three after some spring training games were played on Friday. Sox didn't use it against Northeastern, of course, in the college game. But this was the plan. This is what Major League Baseball wanted. Again, I go back to the text asking if it was scripted to emphasize the new rules. No, it wasn't scripted the way that you want to conspiracy theorize your way there. But it was scripted in the sense that this is what Major League Baseball desired out of this situation. That we would get to do this in spring training. We would figure it on out, see what it all looked like, see what we needed to do, see who would mess it up, see who would get it right. Well, we got our answers over the last 24 hours. And what was amazing to me sitting here uh, watching and listening to this game, and I was doing both, was A, how quickly it moved. We were in the fifth inning in over the course of an hour, which is pretty extraordinary. But also just how much better guys were between day one and day two. Will Fleming, he'll join us later on right around 530 on Red Sox Review, even made the point that, These guys learn quick. Baseball players especially are creatures of habit. This is what they do. They every single day, you, 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 you know, you do the exact same thing. You get to the ballpark at a similar time. You have your pregame routine. You eat at the same time. You eat the same things in a lot of cases. You go out and you take batting practice at the same time. You uh, go and sign your autographs in the same 10, 15 minute windows. Truly, no matter where you are or what you're doing, and especially at home. And so... All we're doing here right now is creating brand new habits. 
and nobody wants to believe this and and listen to some of the people uh, that called in yesterday. There are a good number of people who don't seem to want to believe this. At some point, you will wake up, you will put on a baseball game, and you will at no point think about the clock that is ticking down. You don't think about the shot clock in any context other than in basketball, the shots, you got to get the shot off at that point. In football, you don't think about, you don't get angry at the play clock when it goes off. You ask them to snap the ball instead. It will be that way in this situation. And so, again, this is the moment where we're figuring it all out. We're getting it all together. And at some point, it's going to be just second nature uh, at, at some point. Promise that. Remind you, you can stream the show or listen on demand anytime. Just download the Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. Save W-E-E-I as a favorite and listen wherever you go. And uh, again, wherever you are, whether you be in Boston, Massachusetts, or beyond, uh, we come to you once again, Red Sox Review. Cooper Boardman here with you. Said this off the top. I've been a Worcester the last few years. Been at AAA the last few years with the Worcester Red Sox. So, seen a lot of these guys that are not only going to be a big part of what the Red Sox are going to do at the start of the year, but also the guys that are going to come up throughout the year. And if you were paying even a little bit of attention a year ago, you know that chances are there are going to be some AAA guys that are going to make some really big impacts on this team. Saw John Schreiber before he became what he is and, and Mr. High Leverage for this team. He was a guy who was a one-inning guy, and then all of a sudden in AAA, he was a two-inning, three-inning guy. He was a starter. He was a reliever. And at a certain point, he checked every single box, and now you know him as Johnny Leverage. Tristan Casas, a great example. We'll get into a lot of what's been talked about with him over the last few weeks. I sat down with him for about 20 minutes in Fort Myers last week, just talking through what the heck last year was about, uh, the stories that have been breaking about him laying in the outfield and, and laying on the Coca-Cola deck and all of that, and what he actually thinks about all of that, and what he thinks about who he is as a player. And I'll give you a spoiler, he's going to be really good. Guys like that. And then, of course, some of those other arms, including some of the guys that we saw today. And that's what I want to hop into. We're going to have Rob Bradford coming on in, in a little bit uh, from Arizona, but you look at what we saw here today uh, on both sides f- for the Red Sox, and I think we'll start with what we saw from from a pitching perspective. And the Red Sox today went out there, and they started Josh Winkowski, who, of course, we saw a little bit last year at the major league level. We then saw Chris Murphy, and we saw Brian Mata, and then we saw Brandon Walter before you know some of the A-ball, double-A guys or some of the non-roster invitees uh, ended up kind of towards the, the back end there. Let's go. Uh, we'll just go in, in chronological order. Josh Winkowski. This is somebody who last year saw a little bit of time at the big league level. You know, you look at the numbers. They were nothing otherworldly at the big league level. But who he is and what he brings to the table, you're talking about pitching depth. And Remember, this is a starting rotation right now that is built on a lot of question marks. And that is not to say that it's not going to be good and we don't know what it's going to be like. It's February 26th. But between who? Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, James Paxton, three of these older guys. You know, obviously health is a conversation there and what they're going to bring. Garrett Whitlock, Brian Bayo. Nick Pavetta and Tanner House. So that is one, two, three, four, 
seven guys, seven names you just gave you. Bayo right now working his way through forearm soreness. and throw he, Cutter he, Crawford, He's been throwing. Too. He looks good. Don't forget Cutter Crawford as well. Joe, right in my ear. That's a good point. So that's eight guys there. Eight that are really in a legitimate conversation. Does Hauk end up in the rotation? I don't know. Is he a multi-inning guy? I don't know. Does Whitlock end up in the starting rotation? I don't know. We'll find out together. Uh, but when you look at what this team can be in the starting rotation, you just imagine that there are going to be opportunities for these guys that we saw today. And that's the point here. Josh Winkowski comes out. You know, this is somebody who throws really hard, who has stuff that truly, and again, I watched them all at AAA last year. If you walked into the building and you didn't know anything about baseball and you happen to come to, to Polar Park in Worcester and you're going to sit there and you're going to watch the, the game. If you if Josh Winkowski got on the mound and you watched him throw three pitches, you would turn to the person sitting next to you and say, whoa, I, who's this guy? You know, what, what what's he all about? And so that's big league stuff. Cutter Crawford, it's a really good point, is in that same vein with just stuff, just pops you know, the Red Sox, and obviously, and, and again, Joe and Will were talking about this earlier on during the game broadcast, was the Red Sox, obviously, over the last, you know, it's been a long time since they've developed legitimate starting pitching depth. And last year, they had the depth, but maybe not the success numbers consistency that you're looking for, though Cutter Crawford had a wonderful little stretch. Josh Winkowski had a couple of really good starts. But if you look at Wink today, the, the sinker really plays. I mean, 94 at the sinker gets ground balls. The slider, that combo right there that has become all of the rage in baseball, even as a starting pitcher. He'll throw four seamers up in the zone, and then he can make in, mix in the, the cutter and the changeup. And all of a sudden, you're talking about somebody that is even better than you think he could be uh, truly you're, you're talking about somebody that is more than depth you're talking about somebody that can be really good and we saw that over two innings today albeit in spring training albeit against some of the minor leaguers in the Rays organization but you know two innings you strike out three guys the stuff looked good the ground balls look good and uh, that, that again that's really all that you can ask for he goes two innings then we see in terms of depth more showcasing this time Chris Murphy Left-hander, another guy, just fun to watch. Throw strikes. Uh, you know, when when he throws strikes, really, that is, he's really good. Fastball, changeup, curveball, slider. This is somebody in Chris Murphy that really made his name in Massachusetts in the Cape Cod Baseball League. I remember seeing him, gosh, what is that, three, four years in, uh, ago uh, in the Cape Cod Baseball League. And again, sitting there and watching him and saying, who is this guy? And now come to see him and, and, and get to enjoy what he does at, at AAA. And, you know, in Worcester a year ago, this is somebody who ERA-wise, you know, didn't necessarily jump off the page but got better as the year went along and now becomes somebody, when you're talking about the top two left-handed options on this, uh, you know, in this depth, is really going to be a big part of what the Red Sox do. Okay, so you got Winkowski, you got Murphy, just just keep on rolling through, and then you have Brian Mata. And this is the, the man that I, I would like to sit here and just sit back and talk about because, you know, whether uh, your, your eyes have glazed over when I said the word prospect or not, Brian Mata is a guy that you need to know about. This is the, this is the guy of, of everybody that the Red Sox have as options on the mound in that second tier, right, of guys that – you feel like can make an impact at some point this season. 
Brian Mata is the one that he's the answer. You know, this is a guy who had been on the taxi squad at points in 2020, then he's Tommy John surgery. And so really he ends up with a lost season and a half. He comes out and now he's in 2023 and this is, this is his season, right? This is the season that you look at on paper and say, this is somebody that can help the Red Sox. When you sit here and you look around the best organizations in baseball, top to bottom in pitching, they do two things. One is something that Haim Bloom and this entire baseball operations staff has talked about at nauseum, and it's something that this team didn't do enough of last year, is throw strikes. It's the simplest thing. The simplest thing in the world, but it is the most important thing. And it's uh, something that if you go to any Little League baseball game and they've just walked the ninth guy in a row, uh, everybody knows that you're just looking for strikes. Well, it's true at the big league level as well. The second part of it is velocity. You know, when you look at why the Orioles had as much success, surprising success, it's because they had guys that came out of their bullpen, they threw strikes, and they threw hard. You look at the, the, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Mariners, the Guardians, you know, all of these teams that were, were playoff teams a year ago. They all had guys, especially out of the back end, but it, it does bear repeating about starting pitching as well, that threw hard and threw strikes, and honestly not in that order. Strikes and, and, and hard throwers. And this is where it all ties up to Brian Mata. Because this is somebody who, again, the only reason why he hasn't been a big league pitcher over the last couple of years is because he was hurt and had Tommy John surgery. Brian Mata throws strikes and throws hard. Sometimes the command can elude. He's a pitcher. That happens. But he has a tattoo on his neck that says 100. That's because he throws 100. He was 96-97 today. I don't know what he's going to going to be. I would imagine he's going to start the year at AAA just based on where he's been, really getting into AAA for the first time after dominating. He had a one eight five at AA last year. The fastball, the slider, the curveball, and the changeup really worked his way there and got him to AAA. If he can be a semblance of what this team believes he can be, which is, again, a hard thrower, somebody who could be a starter or be a reliever. I'm really, really interested to see what happens with him, Brian Mata, over the next month or so and what his role is. If he can be that, it's, it's an unbelievable lift to what this pitching depth is. And again, when you look at the best organizations in baseball, when you look at, let's let's... Uh, you know, you want to pick the, the Astros, the Dodgers, right? Maybe kind of the, the cream of, of this whole thing right now, uh, at least in terms of player development on paper. These organizations have not, you know, just your, your high leverage guy. They don't just have Kenley Jansen, although they have guys like that. And the Red Sox have that box checked now on the back end as a guy that when you're winning the game, you put the ball in his hand. You feel like more often than not, you're going to hear dirty water at the end of it. The difference is they have guys top to bottom that do that. And when you know, I know that there is for whatever, well, I know what the reasons are. I know that people are maddened by, you know, the time that this is this takes to to put the organization in a situation where 
from top to bottom, you feel really good about what it's producing. But the point about all of that is you're, this is about guys like Brian Mata, where you've got answers uh, you know, on the major league staff, and then all of a sudden, partway through the year, you call up a guy, he gets on the mound, and he throws 100. 100. And again, that is the hope. That is what we kind of, uh, when, you, when you dream about what this team can be, and, you know, I know there's a lot of negativity around it and, and all of this, but it's different than it was last year because of guys like Brian Mata. Alex Cora said it. I, he was asked about, about Mata, and I, I sat there in Fort Myers. Gosh, what was that, on Thursday? That feels like a long time ago. How many snowstorms ago? You, you sit there, and, and I watch Brian Mata throw live BP. And he is another one of those guys that, and, and I'm standing there up on a chain link fence in a backfield in Fort Myers. And there are people to my right and, and to my left that are Red Sox fans, that are baseball fans, that know nothing about who this person is. And you can hear them murmuring, who is this? What? It, what it, because his stuff is legit. His velocity is legit. And so... Again, when you sit here and, and, and you think about what the bullpen could look like or maybe what the starting rotation could be in terms of depth pieces, that's a really, really good one. And uh, again, what Alex Gore said, he's going to help us win a few games. I think that's the case. I don't see any reason how it couldn't be the case. And so you factor that in. I didn't even mention Brian Bayo when I was talking about all of those different starting pitchers of the, what, the 13 spots you're going to have, right? That's... Yeah, that's the number. 13 guys between Bayo and Mata and Whitlock. And then you get to the conversation with Hauk, Sale, Paxton, Kluber, Jansen, and then and the spots up for grabs. And I think later on on Red Sox Review, we'll, we'll kind of get in uh, to what this bullpen is going to look like. Again, uh, taking you up until 6 p.m. tonight on WEEI. We'll have Rob Bradford uh, checking in from Arizona. I know he talked with Xander Bogarts. I, I think he talked, at least saw JD Martinez as well. And so, very interested to hear, you know, what, 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 what do those guys have to say uh, to Rob? Especially a little bit more removed. Sometimes you can learn a little bit more and find out a little bit more. We'll also hear from Will Fleming, and uh, I'm very excited to to hear Will's impressions of the the minor league. Uh, you know changes that have come from the minor leagues now to the major leagues and the pitch clock and those experiences and then kind of what he's hearing around camp over the course of the next few days. lot to get to. Rob Bradford uh, comes back with us. We roll along. Red Sox, by the way, walk off winners today. Don't forget that in spring training. We're back in a moment on Red Sox Review. It is Red Sox Review, February 26th, and we are talking about baseball. That's the way I like it. Cooper Boardman back with you. Sox won today. Spring training. Results, you know, I know they don't matter, but they kind of do matter. You'd rather win than lose, right? I guess that's the old spring training uh, adage. You kind of want to be around 500. You want to win too many. You don't want to lose too many. You want to be kind of uh, somewhere in the middle. And Sox get a win. So uh, there's some happiness in Red Sox land. We'll see if that continues as uh, we'll be uh, joined by Rob Bradford in in a few moments. And, you know, I I think when when you look at, and and 
Brad Foe out in Arizona, so he, he was with uh, Xander Bogarts. Very interesting conversation. The full conversation, I mean, we're going to hear some snippets of it, but uh, the full conversation on WEEI.com. Just kind of interested to hear what, what Xander had to say and what his feelings on starting spring training and somewhere else. And I certainly know how we feel about all of it. So why don't we get to it? Red Sox insider Rob Bradford, Brad Foe, presented by McFarland Energy, the home oil and HVAC company at Greater Boston, the North Shore, and all of Cape Cod depend on. See McFarlandEnergy.com for more. And Brad Foe joining us as well on the Harbor One Hotline. Brad Foe, they give you $350 million out there yet or what? Oh my goodness! Everyone's everyone's getting an eleven year contract. Great, you get an eleven year contract. You get an eleven year contract. All right, that's that's awesome. A, yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, so you've been you've been everywhere, uh, Arizona, right now. You saw Xander Bogarts. You saw it all. Um, I guess you. Know, what are your impressions of, of seeing him in, in a different place this time of year? Well, it's bizarre. I'm sitting there looking at him wearing a brown shirt, which you know I. I can honestly say I've never seen that happen. I don't think anyone really wears a brown shirt unless you have to, to be honest with you. But when you sign that type of contract, he'll wear anything. It was good to see him, man. It was, you know, Xander, for all the reasons that we kept saying, this guy should stay and they should prioritize this guy, you know, you, you, you remember it all because he's accountable, he's honest, he plays hard, he, he plays through injuries. Um, you know, he says, all the right, he says all the right things for us. I mean, I don't know if the Red Sox will be thrilled, but he says all of the right things for us. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that, you know, he he was in a good place, but he also was realistic about where the Red Sox, what happened with the Red Sox, which, as he pointed out, I mean, that started in, in March and April and really never recovered from there. I think I, I go and I, you know, just kind of reading through and, and listening to your guys' conversation, him saying, saying it and showing it, are two very different things, and, and he felt like the Red Sox had, had a little different way of showing it. For those who haven't heard, I mean, what, what did he say, and what did you think about what he said? Yeah, he, he, he basically was saying how that, well, I asked him about the you know, top priority content by Heim Bloom, and, he, and that's where you said, you know, saying it and showing it is two different things. And clearly, every step along the way, he didn't feel like there was an inc- inkling of showing it go back to March and April last year when they made that offer, it was around, you know, whatever it was, four years at, I think, 90 or something like that. But it was right then and there, as he points out, he's like, when I saw that, I'm like, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I knew we were in trouble. You know, I knew that this was going to be an uphill uphill thing. And he, and, and he said even in the first couple months of the season, you know, they had the opportunity to sort of up the offer. He would have listened. He would have talked. But that didn't happen. And, and he also said that the, the offer they ended up at, which was about six years, $162 million, if they just went around that, time, with that offer at the outset back in March and April, he'd probably be a member of the Boston Red Sox right now. And think about that. That's a six-year deal compared to the 11-year deal that he got. And so I, I just think, you know, that it goes back to that initial offer. They just never recovered. And certainly another takeaway is once he got into free agency, it, was, it wasn't about the Red Sox. It was about, hey, I'm a free agent. You had your chance, and, and we saw what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, and obviously what he got is uh, yeah, it worked out for him. I, I mean, 
I get you're in it. This is interesting to me because you know, and obviously, you know, people are having the money conversation in Boston right now. But the the money conversation in San Diego is is a much different one. Uh, obviously, with what Peter Seidler's done, and, and you wake up and Manny Machado's gotten a, a bazillion more dollars. It, it feels like. I mean, what what were your impressions of of being in their camp in an organization that is spending not only something, they're spending everything. Yeah, well, it's. It's striking when you, you're sitting, you know, I'm sitting talking to Xander and like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm uh, sorry, I have to sit in Juan Soto's chair. Oh, uh, oh, you have to sit in Nelson Cruz's chair. Oh, you have to sit in Manny Machado. You know, Manny Machado's right around the corner. Obviously, Fernando Tatis, and you keep going. And conversely, you know, I had been in the Red Sox camp for the pre- previous week, and I had never seen anything like that in terms of the lack of marquee names. Um, you know, I, I, I told Xander, I said, hey, listen, you, know, you had two lockers. Like, how it works is that, you know, the guys who have been around a while, who have the star power, Ortiz, Pedroia, Bogart, so forth and so on, they have two lockers. Well, you walk in the Red Sox clubhouse, Devers has two lockers, okay. And then I think the one next to him is Kike Hernandez, a guy who's on a one-year deal, you know, and, and then Justin Turner. I think they – I don't know if they – have two lockers or one and a half lockers. But the point is, is that after Devers, there's nothing like resembled anything that's all over that San Diego clubhouse. Yeah, it was, I was down Fort Myers right last week. And, and it is true. It's just that the feeling around it is, is unique. It is different. And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, how, how it all plays out. Uh, I, you know, also, I mean, we've seen it in the Grapefruit League. We got the pitch clock, uh, the, the wonderful Wild West experience over the last couple <laughs> of days. What'd you think out there? I, mean, I think they're just trying to. I think they're just trying to sort of scare people a little bit. I mean, I think that's what they're doing. I think that was what happened yesterday, and and you know, I, I think it'll they'll reel it in. It'll probably a little bit, um, but there's still going to be an adjustment. I mean, there's adjustments all over the place. Obviously, there's adjustments for pitchers. Obviously, for hitters, but even I've been going around talking to catchers. You know, I talked to Mike Zanino the other day. I talked to Will Smith over at Dodgers camp today. You know, this is, there's a lot of things that you have to factor in. I think that one of the biggest things is that for a pitcher, when when you're cruising, and you know, I mean, you've seen it, Cooper, right? I mean, you've seen this in action, right? How this works and everything else. Yeah. But when when a lot of times pitchers need to regroup, need to okay, take a walk around the mound. The catcher is trying to manage that situation. You can't do that. And, and, and I had Will Smith, the Dodgers catcher, tell me today, he said, you might just have to just, you know, take the bite the bullet for, for one ball, one strike, you know, just to just get back on track. That's crazy to me. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again, you saw this, um, and I saw Ryan Fitzgerald's comments about, hey, you know, we went through this in AAA all last year, but I've never seen anything as hurried as it was yesterday. And I just, I just take that as I think that they're trying to overemphasize it right now to make sure that everyone knows that this isn't full around. Yeah, I came on the air and talked about that. Just you know, relax. It's going to be okay. The pitch clock's going to be fine. It's, you know, and I, I completely agree with you. The enforcement that we, even between yesterday and today in the Red Sox games, have been different. As uh, we talked to Red Sox insider Rob Bradford coming to us on the Harbor One hotline uh, you said you were in Dodgers camp. You see JD? I did. Yeah, I talked to him. Um, uh, I didn't talk to him today. I talked to him Friday, and that'll be up tomorrow morning uh, on the podcast. So 
yeah, I talked to JD, and he, you know, he thinks he's, he, you know, he felt like in that last week or so of the season, he had figured something out. He hit two home runs in the last game of the year, and he just feels like, you know, is a, he finally found what was ailing him. I mean, we can't forget the guy made the All Star team. It wasn't like it was a completely lost season, but you know, he's in a good place. He has his the guy who was his personal hitting coach is now the Dodgers hitting coach, Robert Vince Goyak. He's he's with him. Um, he has Mookie there. You know, so I think that he, he was pretty happy. And, you know, I, in the last week, I've talked to Christian Vasquez, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez. And, you know, the takeaway isn't like they hate the Red Sox, but they look at what's going on with the Red Sox now and it's like, ooh, that's not really what we're used to. And I don't think it's what anyone's used to. I think, yeah, I mean, and again, that's been, I mean, down four Myers, like that was, that was a conversation. I mean, that's what you heard kind of, whether it be, you know, us talking as media or, or people just kind of sitting around the, the plate, just watching and, you know, and watching on the backfields and stuff. I mean, that's, that's what it was yeah, like. Yeah, you, you want to, you want to compare the crowds and, you know, you saw the, the crowds, anyone who said that the crowds were okay at the Red Sox camp, well, I guess if you're the Royals, you know, it's, this is, the crowds that we're used to with the Red Sox, this was school vacation week. It was nothing like it. And, and conversely, like, again, the Dodgers was crazy. You know, the Dodgers, there's a ton of people there. And that's how the Red Sox used to be. It's just a different world. It doesn't mean they're going to lose. It doesn't mean they're going to win. It doesn't mean it's just different. It's just different. And, and I think that everyone's sort of waiting to see if this, this method that Heim Bloom's doing of piecing together these, this puzzle with, with smaller pieces is going to work. My last one here, and we're running up against a break, so I got 30 seconds, but I just want to ask you real quick, as you get on the plane and come back and get ready for, for 2020, 2023 for real, there you go. Uh, I know there's always going to be the shadow of these guys that have gone and all those guys that you just mentioned, but does it feel like, okay, like now we can move on. Now we can look at, at this team in 2023 f- for what it is, or, or do you feel like that's always going to be there as a little thread? It's an easy answer. If you win, then sure, you can turn the page. If you lose, then you can. You just can. And and a lot of this isn't just the guys that you didn't sign. It's the guys that you're banking on, the younger guys, the Tristan Casas, the Brian Bell. We can't just assume they're going to be good. But in order for this formula to work, they better be good because this is part of the, the master plan. So, yeah, it's uh, again, I think it's going to be fascinating because change is interesting. And the unknown is interesting. So there you go. You're on your way, Cooper. This, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. And by the way, before I go, Tuesday book drops, damn near perfect game. Uh, me and Joe Kelly. That's why I'm out in Arizona. By the way, we're hawking books. So uh, yeah. So Tuesday, get your book. Big time. We'll get that. Brad Fo, appreciate it. Safe travels back, man. All right. Good talking with you. I'll see you. All right, Rob Bradford, Red Sox insider, once again presented by McFarland Energy and joining us on the Harbor One Hotline. All right, take a break. Come on back. We'll hit the top of the hour, and we'll keep on going. Got an hour to go on Red Sox Review.